0: Hello, and welcome to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, founder of the Transforming Center, and usually I'm here with my conversation partner, Steve Weens, but he is enjoying some sabbatical time. So I've invited my friend and fellow spiritual director, Reverend Adele Calhoun, to discuss her book, Invitations from God, Accepting God's Offer to Rest, Weep, Forgive, Wait, Remember, and more. Each week, we will be discussing a chapter from this transforming resource and looking at it through the lens of the invitations God might have for us, individually and in community, as we emerge from this life-shifting season of the past year and a half. Here is this week's conversation with Adele Calhoun on her book, Invitations from God. Welcome back, friends, to episode 12 of our Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast as my friend and fellow spiritual director, Reverend Adele Calhoun, converses with me about her book, Invitations from God, accepting God's offer to rest, to weep, to forgive, to wait, to remember, and more. And before we get going, I just want to thank Adele once again for spending this time in these deep conversations I know I've been inspired and I'm hearing God's invitations to me all over again and you know we'll be we'll be not coasting but to this episode and to this season so I want to take a moment now just to express my gratitude for this time with you Adele
1: as a spiritual friend. Thank you, Ruth. And thank you for the invitation Mm -hmm. to be with you. This has been such a gift to my soul.
0: Oh, you're welcome. And thank you for the prayer that I think opened up the possibility for the invitation where you actually (laughs) prayed specifically that there'd be a way for us to spend some time together. This is a weird way to do it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it. But we'll take it and we'll believe that it is from God.
0: Well, we are concluding our season very appropriately by talking about the invitation to the most excellent way, which in scripture we understand to be the way of love. And it's a beautiful way for us to conclude. And Adele, talk to us a little bit about how you hear and understand God's invitation to this most excellent way.
1: Well, I, I labeled it invitation to the excellent, most excellent way rather than the invitation to love, because I think it's, very telling that Paul names love as the most excellent way. And we know there are lots of ways to do things efficiently, capably, excellently, uh, shoddily, uh, slowly, fat. I mean, there's, there's lots of ways we do things. And it feels like Paul is calling specific attention to the fact that love is above every other uh, path and how we do things matters as much as and sometimes more than what we do are we doing these things mm-hmm. with love yeah. and he sets this this is just such a beautiful way he sets it up with the counterfeits and then the litmus tests of love and so i feel like it's eminently practical And we always hear it at weddings, but hey, this is the way we need to be Mm -hmm. following. We need to be following with love.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting to think that, you know, we wake up on any given day and we have this commitment, you know to do excellently in all sorts of different things like I want I'm, I'm, I'm intending to do my best at work today I'm intending to, mm-hmm. to do this podcast in the most excellent way I know how I have to be really good at this message that I'm creating I want to mm-hmm. give a very very good message or this writing that I'm doing but how many of us wake up at the beginning of any day and say today I want to be an excellent lover <laughs> I wish I could say I prayed that prayer, <laughs> but I, I have to admit that that's really not usually on the tip of my prayer list. God helped me to be an excellent lover today. So I think of even if this is the most excellent way, why in the world is that not the prayer on the tip of our tongues, you know, uh, as we pray. So I hope, I hope that we really hear this.
1: And I, and I think that there's uh, this is a very controversial word. Well put it out there too, that, there are people who feel like love can just, we know love covers a multitude of sins, so we know that. But there's a way in which we can use love to just become wishy-washy and have no personal stances and take no sides and anything goes. And so I i want to make sure that we understand from the get-go that when Paul's writing about love, he is not saying, peace, everybody, it's all cool. Cool. So how would you, if you were jumping into sort of the distinctions, I'd love to hear your distinctions when when we think about what love is and what love isn't, just mm-hmm. in terms of our, our the way Christians use this language, what would yeah. you say? Well, one of the things that I know
0: it's not is sentimental slop. And I think that in our culture, the word love is used in so many different ways and it's usually romanticized and sexualized and all that. And it usually has to do with emotion versus actions um, that are seen as as loving. And I think one of the reasons why sometimes we even think of this as being sort of a soft aspect of the spiritual Mm -hmm. life that doesn't even warrant much attention. Is because we shy away from looking at the demanding nature of what love really is Mm. you know Mm. the the actual laying down of one's life and what I mean by that is not necessarily usually physical death like getting you know putting yourself between the you know a person and a bullet it's more the small laying down of my own will laying down of my own preferences letting letting laying down my need to get my own way right now or get the last word right now that that yes for Jesus love, the the way of love took him to the cross, the most demanding kind of action on our behalf. That's why I say it's not sentimental slop. I don't think Mm -hmm. Jesus was feeling a whole lot of emotion on that day. You know, in fact, the description is that he resolutely turned his face towards Jerusalem. (laughs) You know, it doesn't say he was feeling all these feelings and turned his (laughs) face towards (laughs) Jerusalem. You know, he resolutely turned his face towards Jerusalem because the loving action was before him and he knew that it was his to to take. So I think that's one of the things that I think of right away, is that it's not sentimental slop and it's not primarily emotional. Mm -hmm. It's a very demanding Mm -hmm. thing to hear God's invitation to love, practically speaking, and then to say yes. And I think we're all so uncomfortable because in American culture in particular, maybe other cultures too, The word love gets sexualized to mean sexual intimacy. So you can't Mm -hmm. even use the word very well with people. You don't even know when you should use it. You know, should I use it when I'm signing this note? Should I use it when I'm signing this email? How do I even use the word love? Even though it's what we're supposed to be doing every minute of every day, it's still not the most comfortable of words to know how to use
1: there's a line from a poem that goes someone has stolen my love away it's the only word i had to say how i feel and mm-hmm. and i think we we have feelings and yet it's like you said it, it is love the word we can use yeah you know and it, it yeah it can just be lust yes
0: exactly yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and and what are we meaning when we say it and are we allowed to say it and uh, so maybe we're in the business right now of really redeeming this word mm-hmm. and bringing it back to its significance within our Christian lives and within our relationships with one another. Because if we were living out of love more often, I think you know the world would be different. Be different. It would, it would be, be different. different. And if we heard that as the call.
1: And I I wonder about the relationship between truth and love because that's often the. The distinction that people want to bring up and say, well, there's truth and then there's feeling, these love feelings. Yes. So what do you think? What do you think about truth and love? How do they fit together? And is a love a more excellent thing than truth? Because I feel like often denominations Mm -hmm. will just split along the truth and love lines. Yeah. What do we want to say about holding these things together?
0: You know, I hope they're two sides of the same coin. Because one of the things that I've experienced in my own life is that it doesn't feel very loving to me when people are withholding the truth.
1: Mm.
0: In fact, that can be one of the cruelest things that you can do to another person is to withhold important truth from them or to shade the truth. So I think being willing to bring truth in a relationship is actually an expression of love.
1: So this is just a, a... Really curious, you know, mm-hmm. where Jesus says to his disciples, I have many things to say to you that you can't bear at mm-hmm. the Last Supper. Yeah. So he has truth to say to them that they can't bear. Is there ever a time that you don't say the truth because somebody can't bear it?
0: Yeah. I mean, and I think that verse tells us so. But I think. How do you discern? Well, it's, it, it is discernment. And I, I think it, we have to be really careful not to use that verse as an excuse, too, that serves us actually because maybe it's us who that's can't bear telling it. Maybe telling it's it. not that they can't bear hearing it, maybe it's that we're too uncomfortable <laughs> to actually say it and to have to live in the discomfort of having said it. Ouch. Yes, yes that's true too. <laughs> and one of the things that I feel in, in when I when even here on our staff, let's just keep it we'll put it in our staff community place right here, is that when someone you know we have as one of our staff values this idea of speaking the truth in love and that when there's a conflict or when there's something that needs work that we are bringing that to one another directly and that we're not triangling you know we're not talking behind each other's backs but we're going to come directly and that that's Mm -hmm. one of the most important aspects of being in community together so we actually get really Mm -hmm. practical with that and say so when someone does that And they bring you a truth that may be difficult before you do anything else before you defend yourself before you explain yourself before you do anything else you actually say to them thank you for being so committed to living in our covenant you you thank them first before you do anything else you thank them for living in our covenant with love you know so that's super yeah because it you know even though it might feel stinging and painful What that person is actually doing is saying, I love you too much to leave this unresolved between us. I love you too much not to be truthful and honest with you. I love you too much to be going around your back. I love you. And I'm saying I love you really practically right now by coming to you and talking to you directly about this. Mm -hmm. It is a really practical way we can love each other. So I think that, yeah, sometimes maybe the other person can't bear it, but sometimes we're not very good at being in the truth and living in the truth and seeing that as a part of our love relationship. And I think a lot of people have had such difficult experiences with conflict um, that there's a lot of primal fear about conflict. Totally, And so we can't even live this one out. We can't live the two together because there's so much primal Mm -hmm. fear that conflict never works. The only thing I ever saw in my own family was that people left each Mm -hmm. other. They fought, they yelled, they screamed, it got really scary. And so inside us, we don't
1: believe Mm -hmm. that it would ever work to tell the truth in love. And those are those invitations to participate in our mm-hmm. healing, to remember, Yeah. go back, where does this get repeated mm-hmm. now? Yeah, and can I do something so more afraid. adult here? That's right. You're I'm actually so bringing afraid. your I'm adult running.
0: self by saying, yes, mm-hmm. in my childhood conflict was handled that way and I never saw it work very well, but now I'm going to bring a more adult mm-hmm. presence to this and I'm going to choose to have faith that adult people can handle these sorts of things in conversation. Um, and that's a very grown up way to be, to choose to be a grown that's up then, rather than being stuck in our childish ways. And don't you think that that yeah. may even be what Paul's referring to that, you know, that the more excellent way also leads us to giving up our that's childish. Right. When I was a child, yeah. I thought as a I child, spoken mm-hmm. ch- as
1: a child. Right, right.
0: Mm-hmm. How about you? What would be What would be your answer to the question about what love is and what it isn't?
1: Can I just ditto you? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I have anything new to say. Okay. I, I, I guess I would want to say both truth and love are abide in God, mm-hmm. you know, and to be in love. It's like first John says is to be in God, mm-hmm. that there is something about love that is is so not a feeling. It is the incarnation no reality of being connected to God and that's where it when it stems from that place it's it's amazing yeah it's it's such a gift it is bringing in the kingdom it is being able to do that thing
0: yeah
1: so I I sometimes think of of uh we'll say my heart's not big enough or I don't have enough love or whatever and and I don't think of love as a quantity that Mm -hmm. that I get it's it's this gift of a quality of existence. And there are many times when I feel like I don't have enough energy or enough bandwidth or enough desire to do the loving thing or be the loving person. But if love is something that's already living in me, then it it sort of shifts that I don't have enough deprivation thing to maybe I can lean into the fact that this is in me and that Jesus will love through me.
0: Yeah, and I think the word through becomes pretty important in in this is that it's not that we have this capacity in our human capacities. Mm -hmm. It's that we find ways to open to the love of God flowing through us and that we become conduits, which I really Mm -hmm. like the word conduit for this conversation, that we can open and become conduits and our spiritual practices are the things that keep us open. And now, Steve and I would like to take a moment to share a little bit about another way you can go even deeper on your spiritual journey around the themes we're discussing here on the podcast. We'd like to tell you about our Transforming Communities.
2: Transforming Community is a practice-based spiritual formation experience with nine quarterly retreats. The Transforming Community Experience is designed to integrate your spirituality and your leadership and help you reclaim practices and experiences spiritual seekers down through the ages have used to open themselves to God's transforming work. I was a part of TC6 way back in 2011, and it was such an important part of my spiritual journey.
0: It is really hard to explain all that happens in this two-year, 27-month experience. So over the course of this season, we're going to be inviting different ones of our alums to share about what their transforming community experience meant to them. So here's what this week's alum has to say.
2: TC has been really profound. I've had to dive into the deepest parts of who I am, and I feel like God has met me there. One of the things I love the most about the TC is that their entire goal, it seems like, is to just make room for God to do what God is going to do and that's what i love the most about ruth and her teaching it just she just is is really helping us make room for god so i've learned a lot about the hardest parts about my false self and my personality i've learned a lot about the best parts about myself and i've started to learn to live into each of those things in really great ways and frankly i think because of tc i'm going to be a better husband and a better dad, and, and, and frankly, that matters more to me than my business and, and the other people in my life. So anyway, TC has been a really foundational part of the last uh, four or five years of my life. So I don't know what I would have known without it, frankly.
0: You can visit transformingcenter.org to learn more and to apply to the next transforming community. And now, back to my conversation with Adele on Invitations from God. Well, the other thing that occurred to me, too, as we try to talk about truth and love together is that statement that people make. It's a little bit pithy, but it's still true that God loves us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us as we are.
2: That's
0: right. And I think that that applies to our human relationships, too, that mm-hmm. I love You know, if I have something that needs to be said in this relationship, I value our relationship too much to leave it as it is or to live with you in a way that that lacks truth telling. I value this relationship. I love you too much for us not to be able to tell the truth to each other and live in truth together. And that's where, again, love is not sentimental slop. It actually requires something of us. It requires Mm -hmm. courage and diplomacy (laughs) and wisdom about timing and discernment and all of that to do it well, but it's a commitment to the relationship to live love and truth together. So, well, I wanted to ask about a paragraph that you have where um, you talk about the fact that we are, we choose to be excellent in so many ways in so many areas and that God's first concern is not a gold standard of excellent preaching, music, worship, facilities, hospitality, youth programs, giving service or doctrinal purity. Um, And you assure us that these things matter, but that excellence in these matters is far less important than doing these things with love. God is looking for people who are sincere lovers, people who take the heat and love under pressure. These people are the real deal. I wanted to ask you, what does that mean for pastors today? where it seems, I'm sure on some days, that the only thing that really does matter is how excellent your sermon is or what innovative programming you have coming up or whether or not you're building a bigger building or big, you know, putting an addition on. Can we talk about pastors for a minute and what that means to pastors who are living in such a pressurized environment culturally? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think if we're honest, that many pastors probably don't wake up every day thinking, how can I be an excellent lover? They -hmm. think, how can I get this building campaign going? How can Mm -hmm. I prepare an excellent sermon that wows my congregation? How can we get this innovation going so that we can compete with the church down the street
1: (laughs) who has all that cool stuff going on? So the first thing that comes to my mind actually is a quote from Eugene Peterson, and I won't get it exactly right, but he's writing pastors and he says, every day I put love on the line.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's nothing I'm less good at. I'm better at getting ahead in my own uh, energy and and steam. I'm better at putting myself first. And yet every day, I decide it's better to fail at love than succeed in pride. And I said that to myself for many mm-hmm. years as a pastor, because what I'm aware of is if I am not in some way keeping love front and center. What happens to me, and this may not happen to you, but what happens to me is I start to depend on my expertise and gifts. Mm -hmm. And if I go long enough just depending on those things, I am not present to God, Mm -hmm. I'm not present to myself, I become a technician of truth, and I am way far away from being, what we were talking about, this conduit that is able to pass Uh, Mm -hmm. the presence of Christ to others. And so I just want to say, yes, there's a lot of pressure. And I believe both you as head of an organization and us as a head of a church have lived with that pressure. It is is real. It is a real temptation. And people will reward you for living out of your false self and going Mm -hmm. with your ego and building the bigger building and whatever. And I just want to say, it is dangerous not to pay attention to this as more important than those things. Those things are not unimportant. Right. They are not unimportant. And if we aren't attending to what, how we do these things with love, how we interact with people in love, we are undermining everything we're trying to do at the same time. Yeah. And I know that's a hard word, but... that comes out of my experience yeah and uh, the other piece that i would say is the one thing i know for sure about love is it's really vulnerable and so to love people is going to make me vulnerable and to to have to say you know I, i this isn't my best effort tonight at this meeting because of x y and z that happened and so i hope you'll give me some grace and to admit my humanity as i go along and to because that will help other people admit their humanity so what do you do i mean you have an organization i'm not in not heading an organization anymore I mean, you said you speak the truth in love but what do you do about the the pressure for ruth you need to have you know podcasts and excellent podcasts and all these things going on all the time how do you listen to those things and decide what you won't will and won't do and how do you deal with the pressure?
0: Well, I think it has to do with really being clear on what God's calling you to do uniquely mm. and you're clear on that and you do that and you don't get seduced into more and you're right. We we have people who are giving us ideas all the time for things we ought to be doing <laughs> or That's things right. we could do and they're, they're great. There's nothing wrong with any of the ideas, but it's not. But I'm really clear, you know, on what we're called to right now. We're really clear on what we're called to right now. And the podcast is one of those things um, where God has really been, you know, met us with good fruit. And we say no to lots of things because we know it's not where we're being called right now. And I think um, even the question of can we keep, you know, living our own sacred rhythms and living in love and, you know, having the life together in community that we know is important. For us all if we add this thing or that thing those become really important questions and I also think that in this day and age when you can see other people's accomplishments so easily through all the technologies you know comparing comparing yeah that sometimes what I do is I will go off of all that for a mm-hmm. while um, and there are some things I've never been on for that reason because it, it riles up that part that feels I should be doing something more or different Mm -hmm. or doing what other people are doing. And it gets me into that comparison mode. And some of the technologies are really, really not good for the soul in that way. And so I think some of us might actually need to get off some of our social media so that we're not, if if it causes us to compare and to get riled up and to get on the treadmill in a way that we shouldn't be, we need to get off it because it's too much. It's too much. And we could sell our souls if we let ourselves stay riled up at those levels
1: and i think that's when we're most vulnerable to temptation yeah that's when we're mm-hmm. most likely to fall that's right i mean right this yeah. is it's serious business it's serious. we we joke about it sometimes
0: and you know we can joke about it when we're together about how we react and respond to social media but it, it is very serious and it has a serious impact on the soul to be always comparing always seeing what other people are doing and and so i think we need to consider what mm-hmm. our participation in certain aspects of social media actually does to us and if it's not doing anything good for us just stop just get off it because our souls matter more than that one of the things that i thought was really painful about covid was i heard pastors say that especially pastors of small churches that they were not set up with technology for all the fanciness of what it means to be virtual and i i know this from experience what it took for us to do what we did eventually um with technology in virtual space was beyond it was the hardest work i think we may have ever done in our organization Mm -hmm. and you know what i'm talking about Any pastor listening knows what we're talking about but the larger churches already had the technology, they already had the person that knew how to do creative stuff or who knew how to do the technologies. The smaller churches were left behind and the most painful thing I heard was people leaving the small church to go to the bigger church that had the better technological offerings. And to me, that just cuts so deep. And it once again highlighted for me what pastors are really facing these days Mm -hmm. when it has to do with quote excellence because in that moment the small churches didn't have it Mm -hmm. they didn't have lined up what they needed and if even if they got what they needed it was typically a volunteer their sanctuary had never been set up with lighting to look good um, on cameras Uh, they didn't have sound systems they didn't have anything so they're behind and meanwhile their people are going To some other church that has it all set up better and where there's more perfection and excellence to me that's just a very microcosm of what we're talking about here and the real pressure that pastors are under and i just pray that pastors can stay grounded in god and Mm -hmm. god's call for them versus getting into comparing and when people do make that painful choice to go someplace else for those kinds of reasons that somehow god gives them the grace to let to let them go and not take it personally. You know?
1: Well, and to be able to say, you know, when is this about me, mm-hmm. and when is it about really a, a cultural god of excellence mm-hmm. or a cultural god of technological uh, expertise? And mm-hmm. we can really bow down. I think that's what you're saying. We can yeah. really bow down to these mm-hmm. technological wizards and an ability to do amazing things online. That's and right. it's not. Just because it's there, the excellent way of love. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, you know, the excellent way of love could be an invitation for a parishioner who is kind of being seduced or attracted away from the smaller church in order to, in a consumeristic fashion, get what they want from the larger church. Mm -hmm. But if you're committed to a community, what would the more excellent way look like? like, Would be a beautiful question. And so good and strengthening for the community Mm -hmm. and for the pastoral staff who are working hard to do the best they can. Mm -hmm. Well, this leads us really well to talk about the counterfeits. You name counterfeits
1: of love um, in your book. Can you talk to us about the counterfeits? So the counterfeits Paul talks about are eloquence. Mm -hmm. If I speak with tongues of angels, knowledge, if I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries, faith, and then altruism. And I just... Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that Paul puts them right out there at the beginning rather than saying, this is what love is. He says, this is what love is not. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's not being able to sell love. Mm-hmm. It's not having that gift of gab or even being, you know, I don't know who your favorite preacher is, you know, Tim Keller, Eugene Peterson. I don't know who it is. Adele Calhoun. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, got to get a woman in there <laughs> got
1: to get a woman i was thinking of some, i was i was actually thinking of a woman as you said that but this sense of how easy it is in a, in a profession of, of preaching and teaching to make this the most excellent thing
0: yeah
1: and then we all tune in just like you said to mm-hmm. who's got the excellence right we sermon shop you mm-hmm. know we've got all of our Tim Keller's tapes, or, Mm -hmm. you know, I I have people I like to listen to, too. So it's not wrong. It's what is the, where is the point where this thing has taken control of my decision-making process Mm -hmm. rather than love? And I think being a, a pastor, you know, it's easy to compare yourself to everybody else that's out there preaching and saying, you know, people will leave unless I have this amazing sermon. And and I want to say, Ruth talked about the community. There's a community that holds people together. S- sermonizing is a part of it. There are outreach and mission things that hold. And to to put it all on us feels very egocentric to me. Yeah.
0: Well, consumeristic. Consumeristic. I mean, Maybe they're yeah. consuming you as the pastor. Not mm-hmm. not being committed to a community because I was just going to say that watching preaching online is not the same thing as being in community. Oh, it's I mean, can so we not. just say, no. but I mentioned way early in the, up in, in this season that I heard that people are starting now to say, well, I go to that church, but it states and states away. And all it really means yes. is I choose to be with them online on for that hour. Mm-hmm. But that is such a limited view of what community is, and we cannot. So you can listen to your favorite pastor preach somewhere. That is not the same thing mm-hmm. as the more the more excellent way lived within a real community of faith, which is right. what we're talking about. And now we're I'm on my soapbox, you know. <laughs> now I'm really on my soapbox. So I think I think that that is really important for us to keep in mind these these counterfeits. And that leads really well into a litmus test, because then the question is, well, how do you tell? How do you tell if you are really in love or if you are just in the counterfeit? What are the litmus tests that you see and that you identify for knowing if we are really walking the most excellent way?
1: Well, I think Paul is the one that identifies them here, you know, can you wait? Love is patient. Can you sustain a desire over a long period of time and Mm. wait for Mm. it? That is a litmus (laughs) test of love or love is kind. You know, can I, in the face of unkindness, Mm -hmm. give back kindness? Yeah. That's a litmus test of love. If I'm only kind to those who are kind to me, I mean, Jesus says that's no different than what anybody else does. So love is this thing that has me giving back, not in kind, but giving back love instead it's not fixating on what you don't have. It doesn't envy. You know, I want that. I want to be like that. It's, I think Paul is very specific as he goes through this list of things. And they're a way that we can sort of be mindful and say, you know, I've been hearing myself recently say a lot about what I don't have and what I want. And maybe, just maybe, I'm fixating on what I don't have. Yeah. So it's eminently practical. Well, it is clear that this most
0: excellent way is our biggest invitation, maybe the most challenging in some ways. And, you know, as we bring this season to a close, it feels very fitting to me that the last invitation would be this invitation to the more excellent way, which Mm -hmm. is love. How do you see this invitation connecting with
1: some of the other ones? Do you see connections? Well, the reason i put it at the at the last chapter of the book this most excellent way Mm -hmm. is that you know we can we can say yes to an invitation to practice the presence of people and do it because we want to receive love from people rather than give love to people we we can say yes to an invitation to participate in our own healing just so you know we'll be more productive and efficient in life and And to say yes to these invitations out of a desire that they would make me a lover like Jesus is a very different ground upon which to enter in to these invitations. That the reason I want to say yes to forgiveness is I want to have a heart like Jesus. The reason I would say yes to waiting is that I would become like God who is patient patient, and long-suffering. The reason I I say yes to remembering is so that love would be part of the story I'm telling about where I belong and who I'm becoming. So love is really foundational Mm -hmm. and equips us to enter these invitations well. Mm -hmm. Because without love, the other stuff
0: doesn't work very well, does it? If we don't come at them, if we come at them just as self-improvement techniques versus being a way to be in love in God, in the world, Mm -hmm. um, they're going to become much less than the invitations God Mm -hmm. intends them to be. Mm -hmm. Well, we are bringing an amazing season to a close. And as we do that, I'd like to invite each one of us who have been listening along through the season to take a moment of quiet now and Uh, Maybe close your eyes if you can, if you're not driving. Again, uh, get yourself into that open and receptive prayerful posture where feet are flat on the floor, you're open, your hands are open to receive. And I want to just take a moment to read back through the invitations and to give each of us a chance to hear from God. Which one of these invitations, or is there a cluster of related invitations that I'm hearing from God right now? And just give us a moment of quiet to identify what we feel God's inviting us to. Because just to hear all this information is gonna fall so far short of what we hoped this season would be. What we really want is for each of us to walk away with a real invitation. And in the quiet, uh, as we receive an invitation, we know that the polite thing to do is to RSVP, is to actually respond to God and say, yes, I would like to accept your invitation. So in this quiet, let's listen to each one of these invitations. And I'll move slowly so you can hear whether or not that's the one. And then at the end, I'll give you a moment of quiet for you to respond to God's invitation and see if you're willing to take him up on it. The invitation to participate in your own healing. The invitation to follow. The invitation to practice the presence of people. The invitation to rest. The invitation to weep. The invitation to admit I might be wrong. The invitation to forgive. The invitation to wait. The invitation to pray. The invitation to remember. the invitation to the most excellent way. What is God's invitation to you? And what is your response? And now, O Lord, call me, into a quietness that heals and listens, and molds my longings and passions, my wounds, and my wanderings, into a more holy and human shape. so much for listening today. There are so many podcasts to choose from, and I'm grateful you have spent the last 30 minutes with us. If God has stirred something in you about your own leadership experience, maybe God is inviting you to begin your own journey of leadership transformation by joining a transforming community. You can visit transformingcenter.org to learn more and apply. Also, thanks for your support of the podcast and the work of the Transforming Center. If you have enjoyed the conversation, please rate and review on iTunes or wherever you listen. You can become a partner and receive exclusive content by visiting patreon.com transformingcenter transforming center.